Looking for a way to reduce your carbon footprint and make a positive impact on the environment? Look no further than Lightfoot Company. Our refillery and sustainable home goods store in Savannah, Georgia is dedicated to helping you reduce your use of plastic and single-use products. From reusable water bottles and bags to bulk eco-friendly cleaning products and personal care items, we have everything you need to live a more sustainable lifestyle. Plus, our friendly staff and knowledgeable staff is always available to help you make informed choices and find products that are right for you. So why wait? Visit Lightfoot Company today and start making a difference. This is Lorian Gaskin and you are listening to Free Pizza. All right, you ready, my friends? Yeah. My amazing roommate. Yeah. Isn't this great this is happening finally? Yeah. I've been here for like six months. Has it been six months already? Yeah, I moved here in March 6th. Gosh, man, time's flown. It feels like it's been like three years. Yeah, it does, even since we came to visit. In November and yeah. last March. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because I moved like a year. And you did my photos. That was last March in your yeah. place on Oglethorpe. Uh-huh. Time flies, people. If you haven't guessed, this is my roommate, Mackenzie Alexander. Hello. It's on free pizza. And this is my roommate. It's so amazing because I, we should have did this forever ago. Probably when I moved here. <laughs> Actually, I think I mentioned that. You're going to be my first interview when I moved here, and that just didn't happen. But it's okay. It's fine. You're a mentor of mine. Oh, my gosh. One of the best photographers. Stop. In, <laughs> stop. It's true. I tell everyone here, I'm living with my mentor, and mm. it's, a very, it's a privilege. You're so sweet. Isn't it great? It is great. You're the best roommate. Oh, it's true. Anyways, um, <laughs> I'm so excited because obviously your journey in photography is, is is great and you've been traveling. You just came out from L.A. I did. Yeah. You work there a lot and you work in New York a lot and you've probably been all around with your weddings and stuff like that. So we'll get into that a little bit later. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm adjusting to being back home. Always grateful to come back to Savannah and get grounded again after being gone for a while. You were gone for two weeks. Two, yeah. This week, this one was a little bit shorter of a trip. Usually, I go for three weeks, but really, just to LA. Yeah. Okay, not New York, New York or anywhere. No, else. typically LA is where I go for the long, longer stints. So, and we'll get to that because I want. I'm trying to figure out how you even get clients to book within <laughs> that time that window you're i feel like you're shooting like the whole time you're there yeah, yeah. most trips i mean that's the idea the idea is to go and get as many as i can like you know right. at a time and then come back yeah okay that makes sense before we get into it your photography and everything else you do we're going to answer the icebreaker question oh, yeah, yeah so go ahead and ask away okay the first one is what is the best gift that you can give someone Ooh, ooh. okay okay and this is also kind of like, you could be love languages. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I see those as gifts as well. But I mean, to me, it's like just my time. That's it, yeah. I, was I think everyone's say, I was probably going to say presence. Say, yeah, your presence, your time. Yeah. Because time and energy levels are low. Like, I mean, if I'm there with you, like, I'll probably really fuck with you. <laughs> you know, <this? laughs> and that's my gift to you at the moment is that I'm here with you, you know, but definitely my time at this point. We have, I have so much things, so much shit going on. Yeah. So, same. yeah. What are you? Same thing. Yeah. I was going to say presence no. or, you know, being, being able to witness someone, which obviously ties into photography as well. And yes. Yeah, absolutely. And what a beautiful thing we do is to capture moments like that, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Shout out to us. <laughs> but, um, 
we're the best creative uh <laughs> medium <laughs> for everyone that's listening no, that was fine um but yeah let's dive into it so obviously you've been doing photography for how long now so professionally or just in general i'm just when you picked up the first camera okay first time i picked i remember picking up a camera was in i think like 2004 i took a trip to europe with this it was like a student group that i went with and my parents got me like a little digital camera probably had you know five megapixels or something at that point Mm -hmm. um but yeah i took it to europe i was there for four weeks and i came back and you know my whole family was just like wow these are really beautiful but where are all the buildings, you know, where are all the, you know, because all I came back, I came back with all these portraits of people, you know, these old men sipping lattes in Rome and, you know, just like children from the hostel. And so, yeah, I I kind of fell into portraits unknowingly just because that was what I was inspired to shoot. Yeah. So, yeah. That's awesome. Was it mostly street photographs? It wasn't anything like super up close and personal? Well, some of it was like we stayed, so we traveled all over Europe. It was, it was, I think like four or five different countries for over four weeks. So it was a pretty, yeah, it was pretty, it was a pretty amazing experience at that age, especially coming from like middle of nowhere, Ohio, you know, it was really, it was (laughs) really, it was really important for my personal growth for sure. Um, and it helped me find photography, but, um, yeah, we stayed in a hostel a couple of times and there was families that would run them. So I did some portraits of like the children and the families that were a little more personal. Um, and some of the people that went on the trip with me, but yeah, I think I maybe had like two pictures of the Eiffel tower and like everything else was, (laughs) everything else was just people. That's cool. I mean, it kind of speaks to what you do now because you're mostly working with people and mm-hmm. kind of like transcended into to what you do now. Kind of makes sense. Yeah. You know, I still I think that I'm really influenced by, you know, um, architecture and natural structures and, you know, trees and, you know, all of like the natural surroundings. But I do find that when I take people out of those photos, they're to me less interesting. Like I've seen some, you know, landscape artists that I'm like, wow, I wish I could make a landscape like that. But I think yeah. for me, it's the, it's the relationship between the subject and nature or between the subject and the building, you know, that, that for me really inspires me. Right. Absolutely. And at that age, like were your parents, were they creative in any way um they were not my parents are not like fine artists you know they're not making visual art. i think everyone's creative so i hesitate to say like they're not creative because i think they are in their own ways i also think that they didn't ever have the opportunity to nurture their creativity Mm. they're very much like workhorse type people um, which i'm obviously grateful for it allowed me to have a lot of opportunities um, but I don't think that they, yeah, they, they weren't creating art on a regular basis, we'll say. Right, right. And you mm-hmm. obviously you were super young when you did these at fourth mm-hmm. grade. No, that was like 2004. 2004. I was in high school. Get, get I'm older now. than you. <laughs> but not that much, though, because I started, I was, in, I was in high school in 2005. Okay, yeah. But I guess you were graduating. <laughs> yeah. Almost, 2007. Okay, yeah. Just a, you're a little bit older than I am. Stop playing. <laughs> So, and that was the first time you touched a camera, was you... It's the first time I remember. It was the first time I had my own camera. I'm sure that I picked... Like, I knew I was into photography before that because my grandparents sold antiques. So, I spent so much time, like, walking through these old antique malls growing up and just, you know flipping through pages and pages of time magazine and like all the, you know, I think that's also why I'm obsessed with, you know, mid-century modern style and like cat eyeliner and, you know, just that's kind of my aesthetic. And it was very much um, influenced by, you know, just being around.
around antiques all the time and seeing old imagery and that's dope mm-hmm. and obviously the antiques back then were just i don't know just they just mm-hmm. look really cool which mm-hmm. was very inspiring even seeing that old stuff um awesome so were you at that time when you came up from the trip were you even like i want to be a photographer like did, was that even in your mind to be honest i don't think so i wasn't really I had no idea what I wanted to be at that time and the old you know the the longer I went through high school and the more I started shooting because after that trip I started my you know everyone was like oh wow these are really great portraits and then I was like oh maybe this is something that I'm good at like I should you know continue doing it so I would just take pictures of my friends you know things I did some people like senior portraits and stuff yeah um I think I shot a couple little parties here and there nothing you know nothing crazy I wasn't I hadn't done any weddings or anything yet right um, so yeah, I was just mainly still focused on portraits, but I think by the time I got to senior year, I ended up going, I was doing some work for like the school paper and I ended up going to, um, Mizzou in Missouri nice. with one of my friends and he was in the journalism program there as well. And we did some like summer workshops and after that, I was like, no, I think I could actually like do something with this. And so that's when I started applying, you know, I, my senior year, I took like all art classes and, you know, finished up all the other stuff. And, oh. um, that's, so yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't like, it's not like something I've known that I was going to do since childhood, you know, it's something I right. definitely kind of, it kind of fell in my lap a little bit. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. So in what art things were you doing? You say you finished up some art stuff. Oh, I just mean I finished up all of my, by the time I was a senior, I'd finished up all like the required classes that you had to take. And then then I had all these open slots and I was like, okay, I'm just going to take all the art classes I can. Cause it wasn't something I had been specializing in, Yeah, you know, and again, Midwest Ohio, we didn't have like the best, you know, we didn't have photography in high school. So this is something that I'm sure maybe I would have, you know, gotten into it sooner if I'd had more resources available, but you know, made the best of it. That's dope. And and where you were was a pretty small yeah. Like knit town. Yeah. And there's a kind of beauty to that. I mean, I was, I mean, because people ask, you know, where I'm from and all that. And I'm from High Point, which is kind of a smaller city. And I, I think we're just kind of imaginations kind of really spark because mm-hmm. there's not much around. Yeah. So I'm sure you even making making do what you had there was probably very great on where you are now. Yeah. And I mean, that's why that trip to Europe was so powerful for mm. me because you know where I'm from is a small town in Northwest Ohio that's like not very diverse and doesn't have you know so oh. to, for to go out and see like different cultures and different people and different style and you know it was just it was this yeah it was just really inspiring and it was all in four weeks and so I came back and had years to like process that experience before <laughs> leaving and moving to one of the most diverse places in the country exactly yeah. <laughs> so yeah let's because that was probably the next big move after high school yep and at this point which is for college? Yes. Okay, you did, and this is when you go to art school? Yes. In San Francisco? Yes. So first of all, I mean, yeah, tell us about that transition. You going from this small town in San Francisco, how did that even happen? How did you find this school or want to go to California? Well, um, again, after the trip to Europe, I was just like, wow, I really don't want to be here anymore. I don't want to be in. I mean, listen, like right. Finley, Ohio, it's it was a great place to grow up in terms of it was safe or whatever. But just being who I am, I never felt like it was really home for me, you know, and I never really felt like it was my place. So I was like, where's the furthest place I could go in the continental (laughs) United States that's really diverse and it's a big city? You know, I just, I mean, when I say I grew up in a cornfield, I'm not exaggerating. Like my parents bought land and built a home on a cornfield, like 
on land that was a cornfield. No so, way. Yeah. So, you know, I just needed to get the fuck out of there. Yeah. You know, I just needed to individuate. And that was what I, I was like, let me get the further. You know, I want the opposite of what I've known. Um, no. And it was really, it was pretty intimidating, obviously. It was kind of a scary thing. But, you know, when you're 18, you're, you think you're an adult and you like, <laughs> think you know what you're doing. And, and, I mean, don't get me wrong. I had, like, a, an amazing experience there. I was only there for about a year, though. Okay. Um, but... I learned a lot. I had some really great professors that had like totally changed my life. I got to develop my own film and do color film and, um, you know, things that I just never experienced before. And just even being in the city, I mean, San Francisco is like a tiny Paris, you know, just the, the architecture mm. and like the culture. And it's, it's such a, a melting pot, even though it's such, it's pretty small for a city though. It's not nearly as big as like Los Angeles or. Yeah. I've heard that it's yeah. not as big as maybe the media, whatever makes it kind of seem. It's just very, um, what's the word? Populated. Yeah, like it's it's very, very densely dense. populated, but the, you know, overall, it's not the square mileage is the not city huge. Itself yeah. Is, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, what school was it? The Academy of Art University. Gotcha. And that's where did you? Would you? Were you pursuing photography in particular, or just had general ed? So I was pursuing photography. Um, you, of course, had to do, you know, just like here at SCAD, like you have to yeah. do, um, you know, your gen ed classes. I had to do, you know, color theory and art history and all that kind of stuff as well. Wow. So you got mm-hmm. a year into it and you just like can't do well, it. Well, got a year into it and got pregnant because <laughs> my daughter's dad, um, who I've known since we were 16, he went to, he was lived in Ohio also. That's freaking he crazy. moved out there too. And yep, we went on a road trip across the country and came back. Surprise. surprise. And at the time, you know, I just, I was so young and like didn't really know who I was and you know again you think you know who you are when you're that age but I didn't and you know my mom had had my brother when she was 21 and it's you know it's it wasn't for any kind of like moral reason it was just like we were in love and my family loved him and it's you know I think in at the time I was so deeply conditioned by like my midwest upbringing that it was kind of like oh this is just what happens like you get pregnant and you have start a family you know so I didn't even question like Am I keeping her? You know, so I did. And we ended up moving back and um, we agreed that we would only move back for two years tops because we did not want to be in Ohio. And so we stayed there. And when I was there, I actually continued college there and did some darkroom classes and, you know, just to stay with it you know i think once you leave school it's kind of sometimes hard to get like back into the swing of things absolutely so i was like well fucking i'm just gonna do all these gen ed classes here at like a community college and, and that was great and then exactly two years later we decided to um get married and then we moved to savannah two days after our wedding because i got into scad the savannah college of Art design so, you so went back and got yeah. yeah just because our family i mean we were so young you know it's like we had to have some support like having kids was a lot right <laughs> not knowing anyone in san francisco and also san francisco is super expensive i mean i'm sure it's you know thrice as expensive as it was then but because i mean back in 18 2009 that was two yeah or no it was 2008 eight yeah and i'm obviously yeah i'm sure it was crazy then I mean, yeah. now it's it's astronomical pro- yeah. it's off the charts yeah <laughs> like i don't see how people even have a couple of friends there i'm just like how do you do this but they have crazy tech jobs mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. what whatever um wow what a life i mean those, that span of you graduated in high school to three years later i mean two years later this is like that's a whirlwind well and actually i didn't even think about the in-between time is actually a really crucial 
part of my story because when I went back to Ohio, you know, when I was in San Francisco, I was doing all this, you know, like all my own film developing and color photography for the first time, like film. And I started doing, we had this project and the project was to recreate an old painting. And so I started recreating nude paintings of women. Yeah. And I was using people with different body types, people people of different um, ethnicities. You know, I wanted women that are like tattooed or maybe more alternative because obviously in traditional art, it's not as diverse. And so that was kind of, that was like the start of my embodiment sessions back then. And, you know, at the time it felt like, oh, I was like making fine art because you're in the dark room and it's much more hands-on, you know. And then um, when I got pregnant and I had to move back, it was, it was kind of, honestly, you know, if I'm being real, it was kind of a traumatic experience for me because I was just starting off on this like finding myself like individuating period of my life and yeah. especially as an artist you know like obviously that's really reflective in my work but when I moved back to Ohio my friend Elena who's one of my dear sisters she was doing wedding photography and you know when I got pregnant I was like oh shit I'm, I'm not like a quote fine artist anymore I need to make money, money. <laughs> like, yeah. I need to make money and um while I've come to really respect and you know, find creativity in wedding photography at the time. I was just like, yeah, I need to like, I need to provide for this kid and I need, you know, so that's where I started second shooting was during that kind of in in between. And then when I moved to Savannah, I had no idea that Savannah, because well, honestly at the time it wasn't as big of a wedding you know, destination, but now it's one of the top ones in the country. So, and then, you know, my ex-husband who I'm still really great friends with and co-parents with, but he does historic preservation. So we both moved here and it was like, wow, we had no idea that this was going to be such a beautiful, perfect place for us to be, even though we're not, you know, together anymore. Like it's still, you know, even individually it worked out for us. That's insane. So you moved down here really for him to pursue, pursue the, well, kind of, we, yeah, we moved down here because I got into SCAD. I mean, I, when we were in Ohio and we were in that, that waiting liminal space that was kind of not fun. I was Googling, you know, like art schools in the South. Cause we, I thought we thought about Chicago, but I was like, I don't want to be cold. I don't want to be in like a huge city like San Francisco. Cause <laughs> yeah. that was like quite the hustle and we're going to have a kit, you know? So I had, I had never even been to, neither of us had ever been to Savannah. Oh. And then when I got into SCAD, I got some, you know, I think I got scholarships or something to go. So I just was like, yeah, let's go. And we fell in love with it. Yeah. No way. Yeah. And I was just probably changed a lot than it is right now. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It's Scott very is, different. Scat wasn't as big, I'm guessing, back then. No. Yeah. It just wasn't as um, gentrified. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't. It wasn't. Yes. People ask me how the area is. I'm like, it's extremely gentrified. It's, it's getting. Yeah. I've heard. I've read an article recently that was talking about how Savannah's like little Brooklyn, you know, just because how, fa- <laughs> of how fast it's happening. Like Brooklyn got gentrified so fast. Yeah. And the same is happening down here. I'm going to New York. I'm just like, dude, this looks, this is so kind of different. I see, I see this different borough like every time. And you're right. It's just, mm-hmm. just quickly just yeah. changing. Um, insane. So obviously you got in a SCAD, which is an amazing art school in the East, in the East coast. Um, so how was your time there? Did you, <laughs> what, what, were, what were some of the highlights? Maybe not so great parts. Well, you know, moving, without having a community is always difficult and moving to a new college being what I was 21 years old uh, when all of my friends were living in dorms here and you know it's like because I'm well the thing that kind of sucked was that when I transferred here even though I had been in school 
you know, between community college and going out in San Francisco. I had, I was technically supposed to be a junior starting out, but you know, with art schools, like the, the um, credits, credits can no. be finicky and stuff. So they were trying to get me to start over almost like a freshman basically. Oh, and God. I was just like, mm, I don't think I'm going to do that. So, so I just looked at, you know, the, the curriculum and I was like, you know, these are the class. I kind of handpicked the classes that I felt like would really help me. Um, and things I was just gener- generally interested in like large format photography. Like I, you know, I'm probably not going to, have the opportunity to do that as easily outside of school so So yeah so I just picked the things that I wanted to do that I felt passionate about and I did those and it was you know it was definitely a challenging time because they're all studio classes so it's a lot of outside school work and I had a toddler you know and that was and it was hard being a young parent in a new city where all the people I'm meeting in school are 21 and partying and doing the whole thing. And so I, you know, I did make a few friends and some of them are actually quite a bit older than me that were just coming back to school. So that was kind of nice. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, and I have some friends that I've still, am still keep in contact with, but yeah, it was definitely a big transition and I'm, and I'm grateful that I had the opportunity because I had some amazing professors that were really inspiring and, um, you know, I, it opened a few doors for me and I'm always appreciative of that time, but it just, it wasn't ultimately something that I felt that I needed, um, to pursue photography professionally. So I did end up dropping out. So you thought it was something that you can kind of do by being self-taught you can kind of learn just by yourself. Yeah. I mean, I tell people when they ask now, if, especially if they want to get into, you know, weddings and portraits, I'm like, I personally Again, art school is can be really amazing, especially if you really utilize the resources. Yes, it's, it's all about gear. like networking, mm-hmm. the gear, you know. Um, but if you're trying to do weddings and portraits, for me, I the way I learn best is just via osmosis. So I just started second shooting for people that I really in, was inspired by their work. And I did, you know, I invested in workshops of photographers that I was really yes. into. Yeah. I just, I learn better in more like an apprentice style setting. And like, I have to be doing it. It's kind of like that kinesthetic thing. I have to be, I have to watch somebody do it and then see how they work. And then I do it myself and then I'll remember. And then I, you know, and then I make it my own thing. Gotcha. And yeah, someone had to give, give the opportunity to second shoot with them. Was that in San Francisco? Or was that here? Get someone that you second shoot with them. Um, so you got into the weddings. My um, friend Elena. Elena. That was in. That was in Ohio. That was in Ohio. Yeah. Not mm-hmm. okay. Gotcha. So you said, get your hands on with that. So yeah. that's probably very helpful. Yeah. You had to make money, of course. Yeah, and then I just started shooting. I mean, I think the first wedding I did in Savannah was like a Craigslist wedding for like five hundred bucks, which of course <laughs> they got what they paid for. <laughs> you know. They definitely know what they paid for. Um, I forget Craigslist. Yeah, exists. God. Well, it used to be more of a thing. I feel like it's it was it's not. See, I would never do that now. I love. Yeah, no. Heck, <laughs> but no. I had you know I was again. I just was so I was like twenty. You know, I had twenty one. I hadn't was very naive, especially because like the wedding industry in Northwest Ohio, as you can imagine, quite different than Savannah or Charleston. <laughs> Probably you know? night and day. Yeah, completely different. It was not like luxury weddings. You know, so I yeah it was. But again, I mean, and I tell people this when they're getting started, like charge what you know that you can do. Yeah, you know, yeah. if, if I know that I'm $500 value right $500. now, that's $500. They're still getting some photos. They might not be some luxury wedding photos, but that's where you start. Everyone has to start somewhere. So yeah, most people just want something that's very clear that yeah. they can see themselves and have a good time. Yeah. Some people want the, you know, it just depends. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's amazing. So when you, because when you left SCAD, 
as far as you were you just diving in you dove into weddings yeah like, i started doing they they i think they i'm sure they still have um bridal show i don't do them anymore but oh, you know they have the, sh- the bridal shows and stuff you can do a booth and set up and have an album out and show people your pictures so um i did that and i did the whole online thing and you know social oh. media and stuff and a lot of it honestly especially in a small town like this is referrals yeah say word of mouth here is like can make or break you i feel like um it's funny you mentioned craig i mean did you ever use like gosh social media has changed so much since i guess we've been you know coming up in the game but like Flickr, photo bucket did you use any of that stuff gonna say like myspace no i mean no i mean <laughs> myspace yeah yeah zanga live <laughs> journal yeah we could dive into it no, yeah i didn't really i don't think i ever used Flickr, tumblr or any of those i just used um craigslist. like i think facebook, facebook yeah craigslist and, and then when instagram came out i really switched over to that golly craigslist that's crazy yeah like i remember there were jobs being posted on craigslist that makes a lot of sense actually a photographer's needed or whatever like oh that. yeah yeah i mean i i got a few i think i'm pretty sure i got a few gigs from that i'm glad oh, i didn't get murdered did. yeah I, yo <laughs> you know people like that was like okay kind of risky take your <laughs> but friend this with was you. like pre-instagram too or if it was instagram right. was out it wasn't as big you know it wasn't a big thing but i find i get a lot of clients from instagram now oh yeah now it's yeah. the whole landscape has changed i know i'm, I'm falling out. behind though because i'm not doing reels and i don't do tiktok <sighs> I so i can't I feel like a geriatric millennial. Like, yeah, because we're young, but it's just like I'm not making. But we're a not TikTok. like Gen Z, who's so it just was born into it and know how phone. to. Yeah, I mean, I have friends that are so good at it, and I'm just like more power to y'all. I, I, I can't, it's I can't a, keep up with it. That's a different full time job making yeah. reels, you know, and advertising stuff like that is so is so much. But yeah, these young kids just do it so quickly. Yeah, they're good at it. Like more they're power born to with a phone plan. <laughs> Like they come straight out and they're like, bam, TikTok. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's actually insane. But I love talking to people who are actually before that because it was way more of a like you're on the ground making connections, you're shaking hands, you know, you're more out there. Yeah, and that's been a huge part of um, me again, like trying to individuate and you know coming into my own style as an artist. And I think that that was one thing that I found challenging moving here is that. You know, you find, you do one wedding, right? And one of the first weddings I did was super conservative, like very conservative. <laughs> like the people? Yeah. Oh, and, yeah. I mean, they were, again, like I've never had anybody, even like the very people that I would never hang out with that I shoot their wedding, you know, they're always very kind to me and like I didn't have any issues with them, but you know, they love their photos. And so of course they refer people, which is great. Like I'm, I'm thankful for referrals, especially at that time because I was just getting started. Yeah. And unfortunately I had not really because of like when I got pregnant and you know my personal individuation phase kind of got stunted a little bit and I had not really unraveled a lot of my people pleasing shit mm-hmm. <laughs> which yeah. is taking me decade you know no, that's um, a skill. yeah and and so it really came out in my work where and I and I still believe this now like if I have a couple that's more traditional your photos are going to look more traditional because I'm showing I'm just shooting who you are you know I'm yeah. I'm showing you back like what you're showing me you know and um that's not you know the the work I was creating before that was more me you right. know it was more like my style and so I kind of formed a clientele for a long time that really didn't align with my style. Mm. And I was just doing it to make money, which again, I needed it at the time. And, yeah. you know, I still, you know, so it just, it takes a while to, um, 
you know, kind of find your, I don't want to even call it my brand because I don't really love that terminology, but you know what I'm saying? Like your style. And, um, I think that, you know, that's something I share with people now. I'm like, just, just post what you want to shoot more of. And you'll, you'll, and you'll attract, attract your people. Clients. Yeah. Because at the time, again, I was just like taking whatever I could get and then posting whatever I got, you know, just to say, Hey, I'm shooting something like yeah. hire me to take your picture. Yeah. Um, yeah. So there's been like a slow evolution over time of just feeling comfortable to be a little more picky about what I'm showcasing, I guess. Right. So that, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, we'll come back to style in a minute. Cause obviously I want to, I want to get in your brain about that, but how did you because obviously weddings are one thing but were you doing portraits still too studio stuff like were you doing i had not i didn't have a studio at the time i okay. was not doing i had not done any i think i did a little studio stuff in college you know but that was just for assignments it right like yeah, I was, to work. yeah so all the all of my page shoots were coming from weddings and portraits wow so you do some outside stuff pretty much besides yeah. going around to different places here mm-hmm. and i guess it was working out you said yeah i feel like you you know fall in love with it mm-hmm. yeah was there a point where you're just like okay i can do this for the rest of my life i mean honestly that's when i dropped out of scad was when i was like okay i'm already booking weddings like i'm already booking i'm money. already making money and yeah. i i knew that i wanted to i mean i'm always even now i'm like what 13 years in if not longer no i guess longer than that almost like 15 years into yeah. shooting and i'm still constantly needing to or wanting to refresh and like learn new things or refresh things that I learned in college because I've, you know, studio lighting, you know, it's like, you're never going to be done learning. I don't think but really with any, any <sighs> trade or job. Never. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. I love that. I mean, in photography, you can do a thousand different things with it, you know? And I'm wondering when you were in school, what were you mostly studying to do? Was it, was it brand stuff, commercial? Like, what were you going path? What was your path when you were in there? Fine art portraits. Well, fine, okay, fine, okay, gotcha. <laughs> yeah. So more of that because when the body sessions, mm-hmm. like you were able to kind of like it's cool. That you, photography is great because you can actually like hone in on different. You can do different things that kind of uh, fulfill different parts of us. Mm-hmm. Doing weddings and everything, you love, you love doing that, but obviously, you know, it's almost a bit money maker. Um, yeah. But embodiment yeah. is probably like, oh, this is the fine art stuff where I can really kind of dive in a. You know, in, put forth a different type of effort in yeah, that type of work. You know? Yeah, and the embodiment sessions, well, first of all, like, weddings now, you know, the way I walk into a wedding to shoot now compared to the way I walked into a wedding, like, my mentality is completely different. Mm. You know, I used to have a little bit more of a, what's the word? Um <laughs> I used to kind of almost get resentful about weddings sometimes because they are, they can be really stressful and draining. Yeah. And it's a lot of that's because I wasn't with my people, yes. you know, I was, and that's huge for me. I'm just yeah. a very highly sensitive person. So being all day long, eight hours a day, you know, and then having to talk to them before and after, and, you know, sometimes people weren't always kind to me. Like, <laughs> it's, you know, it's, it was just a lot. Yeah. It was a lot. Now I don't really have any, you know, now the couples that I have are absolutely incredible. I re- I rarely have any issues with anyone that I'm working with. Um, but my embodiment sessions kind of started, like you said, as this way of like, oh, this feels more aligned with me right now. Mm. Now I walk into a wedding and I don't typically feel that way anymore. I'm just Good. like, because I, I have a bit more of a humble outlook on it where it's, this isn't about me and my art. This is about capturing something for these people that like... For example, at a at a wedding reception, 
I used to be like, oh my God, I'm so tired. It's the end of the day. Like, this is just another father-daughter dance. Another, you know, it feels really <laughs> repetitive. Yeah. And then I started doing, you know, through my 20s, I was doing all this healing work on myself and therapy. And, and I was also volunteering for hospice and doing all that work. And that has really informed the way that I approach weddings now because now it's not just another father-daughter dance. I'm like, this, these pictures, when, not to be super morbid, but like when this, when somebody here dies, like, that those pictures are going to mean yeah. so much to them that yeah. they have those memories. And so now it's, I just get my own ego out of the way and I'm like, I, I want to be here and do a good job. And like, I find deeper meaning in it, which makes it so much more fulfilling when you get I caught like up that. in like the doing the styled shoots and trying to get published in the whole, I call it the wedding industrial complex. You know, it's, it's very real. It's on Pinterest, you know, and it's not that people aren't making beautiful images, but for me, in order to keep, the soul in it like I just had to find like a deeper meaning and the same is with the embodiment sessions that's where a lot of this stuff like crosses over the free piece of podcast is sponsored by zipster specializing in custom websites and logo design you don't have to lift a finger to look cool online visit zipster.com and see what they can do for you What up, everybody? This is Mr. P, P standing for Penzelis, and you are listening to the Free Pizza Podcast. Absolutely. I love how you said that because, I mean, obviously our jobs are to 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 create moments and memories for people to look back on later on. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, I, that's only like doing work that to me means something to me. So mm-hmm. I feel like you do that when I see your wedding photos, it does it seem like you very passionate about what you do and that you create these moments with people and it's just very beautiful you know mm-hmm. so you're accomplishing that goal which is great that's cool did you do that other kind of self-help stuff that help you see weddings differently with the hospice and stuff like that mm-hmm. that kind of transpired transpired into into your creative work it's very interesting okay okay i like that <laughs> so your embodiment sessions let's jump into it so i remember when i first i think when i first when sky first mentioned you I'm trying to think when that was. Was it her? I wonder if I heard, saw her photos that you did with her. Yeah, when we were in Scotland. In mm-hmm. Scotland. I think I really discovered who you were through that embodiment session. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was me like, oh my gosh, this is freaking insane. <laughs> um, well, we were I, also in the Isle of Skye, which I made mean, that easier. You <laughs> were. <thank> you. <laughs> but it also took me to your page. Yeah, and it was like, yeah, yeah. oh my God, like this is insane. So, so tell us what embodiment sessions are. And then we'll kind of go through your journey with that. Okay. You know. Um, well, if I had to describe it, I would say it's it's kind of, I mean, it's I advertise it as boudoir, but I try not to use the word boudoir. I hate that word. <laughs> I truly it's do. It's not that I hate it. It's just that it has a, when you say it, you typically people have a pretty specific genre of imagery in their mind. It's yeah. a little more like Maxim Magazine, like you know, more traditional boudoir has a certain look to it. And there's nothing wrong with those photos. It's just not the way I see things or the way I see people. And I draw more of my inspiration from like old paintings and like um, yeah. And, and so I call them embodiment sessions also because I, I, it's all about creating 
a container during that session. It's, it can, it's almost like a transformative process that you're in because I really invite the, the clients that I work with to have kind of an intention coming into it because, and sometimes that intention is just like, yeah, I feel really good and I want to take photos of how I look because I'm 30 or 40 or 50 and I want to remember how I look right now. And I'm like, awesome, let's kill it, you know? Mm. And then other times I often have people who, or maybe coming out of a divorce or who just had a baby and are like trying to fall in love with their body again. Um, I have a lot of clients who are queer or um, playing around in their own gender expression and want a, a safe container to play, you know, to figure out, you know, I, I have some people that have started out a session um, and then halfway through we're like, this feels too feminine, like these poses or, mm. you know, I want, I want to express this other part of me right now. And so um, I remember with one of my friends in particular, I, you know, they even got really emotional about it because I showed them a photo and they were just like, that photo is so beautiful. But like when I look at it, I feel too soft. Like the, the part of me that wants, oh, you know, wow. so my first question is always like, well, what part of you wants to be seen right now? You know, and like give them a space to kind of tap into something inside of themselves and then release that in the studio or outside or in their home or like wherever we are and just kind of explore. Like it's very exploratory. It can be very experimental. So, yeah, it's definitely outside the box of like traditional boudoir in that way. I love that. Yeah. And I also work with all genders. You know, I, I say that it's body and gender affirming photos. So it's, you know, and I work with a lot of people who are, um, you know, recovering with from eating disorders or disordered eating or body dysmorphia, these kind of things as well. Exactly. Yeah, your work is very all encompassing, which is freaking beautiful. All different body types, and colors, yeah. and all that stuff, and um, which is amazing itself because I think it's something that we, as a society, needs to kind of shed more light on. You know. Yeah, I mean, I think that ultimately, like, you, you know, we were talking about kind of the crossover between my own personal healing work and then also how that comes into my photography work and I think that the embodiment sessions is really the birth of that you know and and where that's kind of come together because I grew up in a bigger body in a time you know in a very puritanical culture yeah. <laughs> that was you know and I think diet culture and purity culture are pretty much the same fucking thing yeah. so um for me it's like I'm almost even doing portraits it's like feeling unseen growing up like not feeling represent like the only time I ever saw a body that looked like mine was in a diet ad like the before picture oh, before and after. yeah oh, and it's I like I, I mean because I, I grew up it. in the 90s you know we were all supposed to look like fucking Kate Moss and it's Freaking like that's great for the people who naturally look that way I don't look that way so happy. I think that it's just like so many people you know like therapists often become therapists because they needed therapy or you know it's like we become the medicine that we didn't have that we needed yeah and that's so much what drives me to do that work is to create not only for the people being photographed to create images of them looking you know really empowered and beautiful but also the, all the people who see it you know it's like just mm. putting more diverse imagery out into it's the world it feels very important because as we know representation is huge like representation yes. really matters yeah. yeah like if i would have had you know any of the subculture of like body positivity or an Adele or a Lizzo or, you know, it's like growing up, that would have changed my entire life. Well, then super. I mean, yeah. but we got, as a society back then, we weren't just, we weren't caring towards that. I mean, everyone, if you were above a certain size, you were obese, you yeah. know what I'm saying? Like it was, and I actually came from a family of full of women who were in bigger bodies as well. So to me, like I saw that as being a beautiful thing mm -hmm. all my freaking life. Yeah. But obviously, I remember being in school, in high school, and women, and you know, 
obviously a lot of women just were fighting to look a certain size yeah. all the time. I mean, to be honest, I don't, I can maybe name a handful of close friends that I had growing up that didn't have some kind of level of disordered eating. Disordered, exactly. Because again, we're all thinking we're supposed to look like Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen. You know, it's just Back not then, yeah. like the, it's the heroin chic thing, you know, and it's, I'm so grateful that um, obviously we, we still have body dysmorphia is still a huge issue. Yeah. Snapchat filters and all this face tuning shit does not help. But mm. um, at the same time, there's at least this subculture we at least have body positivity and you know these other areas that people can go to to curate their news feed a little bit if they want to exactly is really important to do yes dude (laughs) yes yes. visual diet is real (laughs) oh my god jesus help the children yeah um so maybe i thought kind of came to mind so how do you handle clients who obviously want to do the session but do battle you know, body mm. image issues. Yeah, that's a great ha- question. How you handle that, handle that in the moment, in the session? Yeah, so I'm really, really, really big on consent, obviously, the whole time, especially if anyone's getting even slightly nude. Um, but getting your photo taken or your portrait taken is super vulnerable even with clothes on. Uh, yes. There's a lot of people. There's some people, you know, I, I think a lot of my sensitivity comes to play in terms of reading people's body language. Like I've taken a lot of trauma informed trainings and somatic healing trainings and I can really see, you know, there's some clients that come in that have to lay on the bed and I do breath work with them before they start or try to like get them into, you know, it's all about being in your body and that's not easy for a lot of people because a lot of people have a lot of trauma and, or just it's just not where they're comfortable you know so in the moment well first of all beforehand um, myself and my good friend Victoria she does styling for me so if anyone books like we they work with both of us um, to kind of talk about like what are the parts of yourself like what what do you find most sexy not even just about your body but like who you are like what do you find most empowering like what kind of gendered poses are you looking for you know like we really try to work with them to find out are there areas of your body that you really love that you want to kind of emphasize are there areas that you're like really self-conscious of that maybe feel too vulnerable to be shown like and and then we choose we help them choose clothing and you know or drapery or whatever we need um to make them feel comfortable so you don't have to be naked or you don't have to be in lingerie to be beautiful or sexy and so we really work around um you know their comfort zone and then of course during the entire session there's always i'm always giving cues of like does this feel comfortable does this pose feel okay you know like checking in constantly because that's what it means to be trauma-informed and i think that is what separates what i do with the embodiment sessions from just like another boudoir photographer you know yeah um is just constantly giving a sense of agency giving a sense of voice like encouraging them to speak up encouraging them to tell me like hey this doesn't feel super comfortable I would say nine times out of 10, the people who come in that are maybe struggling a little bit more with body image, by the end of the session, they're pushing up, they're pushing up against their edges and it's so beautiful. And that doesn't always happen. And that's okay. You know, even them doing the session is a huge boundary push, you know? Um, but 
you know, when I see someone who's like, oh my God, there's no way I'm getting naked. Like, absolutely not. You know? And then by the end, they're like, let's do it. And I'm just like, fuck yeah, that's awesome. Yes, let's go. (laughs) And I also sometimes have people that think that, yeah, yeah, I'm going to get naked. I'm going to get naked. And they're actually like, you know what? I actually don't feel like I need to. I think that I feel complete, you know, in what we just did. And I'm like, that's awesome. You know, it doesn't, it does not have to be. Yeah, like I said, even just being in the space and signing up to do something such a vulnerable experience, that in itself is really revolutionary for a lot of people. So yeah, it's cool. Yeah, um, like, yeah, because that boudoir, people think it's like your lingerie, your this and that. When I didn't think about that, that embodiment can literally be anything. Yeah. Wow, that's actually pretty badass. Of course, when I did it with you, I was naked, so I was. <laughs> I said, I could have sat and just chilled in a t-shirt and undies. You know what I'm saying? It would have been fine. Yeah. That's and actually to that point, because it's hard for me. Is it hard for you to find men? Because obviously men struggle um, with that too, but I feel like it's not as represented. I mean, to be honest with you, so when I first started doing these, I only would work with women. Yeah, yeah. And over time, through doing other types of portraits or through shooting weddings, through just being around lots of different types of people, I realized this is not just a female issue. Yeah. I do think socially speaking, um, you know, systemically, yes, I think women are traditionally much more put in a position to, you know, the whole purity culture thing again, like be small, be subservient, don't speak when not spoken to. You know, I think those roots run deep. Um, and again, those roots are very much instilled in diet culture. So I do think that's a thing. But I, I yeah, it's it, it crosses all genders. And I think that's, you know, being queer myself, I've and knowing a lot of, you know, my, my partner is not binary. Like I have a lot of people in my life that I care for deeply that are trans. And, you know, hearing from them about how there's there's all these like, you know, women's circles or men's circles. And it's like I want something that's open to everyone because yeah. these problems are we're all dealing with them in some way or another. And I think that maybe that looks different for men or for non-binary people. Like, you know, women typically want to be smaller. Um, I think sometimes men maybe want to be like beefed up or like really muscular, you know, it's like maybe a different type of body dysmorphia, but but I hate even making those kind of like blanket statements because there's always exceptions to that, you know? So. Yeah, absolutely. I think you're the second person I actually was completely nude for. I'm trying to think of timeline. My friend Catherine did it too. It was great because I was I'm not in a super toned up body, and you know it definitely made me feel very comfortable. You know, working with you in that aspect. I loved photographing you because you're so comfortable. Yeah. Like it's so, and that's I think that's the um, that's what I wish people would understand. And I know it's it's one it's so easy to say. You yeah. know? It's so easy to say. Yeah, just be yourself. <laughs> like yeah, just be comfortable. Like, that's not easy. It's super vulnerable. Yeah. But like you, the, those photos of you turned out so beautiful, yeah, and it's just it's you look like a painting, you know, and like yeah. that, I, I just wish that, I think my goal in life is to make like belly and back rolls, like art again. I mean, they never should have not been, Yes. but that's how I see. I mean, I had a, my friend, Melissa, I took pictures of her um, at the hostel in the forest of several years ago now. And there's that picture of her like turned over looking in the water. And she's always like had issues with back roll. You know, she's always had an issue with her back rolls. Yeah. And I showed her the picture in the back of the camera and she just started bawling. She's like, they look so beautiful. And I'm like, yes. you should have never not been beautiful. Yes, like they've always been beautiful. beautiful. Yeah. Well, I really think we're headed into a, with all even what's trending now, which I mean, I hate trends, different trends, whatever, but like, because <laughs> now it's like slim thick is the thing, yeah, or like, yeah. 
you know, being think it's cool now. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So blah blah blah. But I love seeing, you know, the Dells, the Lizzos, the mm-hmm. different bodies actually being appreciated now. Because mm-hmm. it's like, duh, this should have been a thing, you know. And I think over history back in the day, like it was, you know. Oh, absolutely. Like, like we're kind of in American culture is just fucked. You know absolutely. what I'm saying? So um I'm glad it's kinda of taking a little if, a little change. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, I was gonna say if you haven't read the book Fearing the Black Body, Ooh. highly recommend. Fear in the black. Fearing the black body. Fearing the black it's, body. It's basically, it's it's the roots of all diet culture, all body, you know, shrinking. Ooh, it's like, like yeah, it's it's a really really powerful, very intense book. But I highly recommend it for anyone that's struggling. And I think you know you're talking about all these body sizes being celebrated. I think it's just really important to recognize that even if you're in a naturally thin body, like the fat liberation and body positivity and like accepting people of different bodies at least respecting them you don't have to think someone's attractive like that's you know preference whatever yeah but respecting everyone is so important because i remember like oh i lost like 40 or 50 pounds at one point in my journey and i felt worse about myself and i realized it was because when you're in a smaller body there's all this pressure to stay small Small. stay small or like keep losing it keep losing it and then I started talking to all my like naturally thin-bodied friends, and first of all, they get body shame too. That's they a thing, sure do, yeah. and I'm not okay with that either. I'm not all like you know. I don't think that one body is better than the other. I think it's we need to love our bodies and respect each other's bodies. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's important to note and to think about because I you know it's easy to other people and other people in bigger bodies when really if you were comfortable and say you meaning society if society was comfortable with people in bigger bodies they'd be more comfortable in themselves yeah i think it's very similar to the way that trans and non-binary people are actually like doing the work to liberate everyone because we all have a multi-faceted gender spectrum inside of us i think and we've just been deeply deeply conditioned to you know, try to be smaller and try to be whatever gender we were assigned, you know, so. Right. So put us in the box. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? They try to break out of it. Yeah. So people who don't fit in those boxes, I think are actually doing really amazing healing work for everyone. Absolutely. There's a lot of people who just themselves just yeah. say, fuck all this shit. Yeah. You know, because well, they never fit in to begin with. So they're like, I'm going to do my own thing. Yeah. And other people end up chasing, you <laughs> yeah, know what I'm exactly, saying? It's yeah. kind of weird how that works. It's like, oh, I want to be more like that. But it's like, I don't know how, you know what I'm saying? Right. So, yeah, exactly. I've been that person, you know, I finally probably really broke out in the past couple couple years. So, yeah. And now you're a model. You <sighs> <laughs> put my hair, put my hair, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> okay. So back to, and this is kind of actually the wedding then bottom it because eventually you started traveling. Yeah. So that's like a that's that's a photographer's dream. Most people get into photography so they want to be able to travel and mm-hmm. do things. So, um, what was your first travel experiences? Um, what was your first kind of out of Georgia big trip? Oh man, I I'm trying to think. <laughs> you've, been, you've been in a bunch of them. I've been yeah, it's been I've you know I started traveling. Gosh, I'm gonna say. Ophelia was a little, my daughter was a little older, um, cause obviously I didn't want to go when she was younger, but I think one of the, the furthest trips I did was I shot a wedding in Jamaica Oh, um, that's and that was pretty fun. Wow. That was an experience for sure. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, I'll, like I always go back to Ohio and shoot my dad's in Denver. I was trying to get some work out there. Um, and then I had a few people that I had met in San Francisco that I shot weddings out there mm. and yeah, it just kind of 
trickled from there. I mean, I it's hard to even people are like, where's your favorite place you've ever been? And it's just like, I, I don't know. They're all so different. And like, I, I really enjoy, for me, it's all about the connections with the people. So whether or not I'm in Scotland or I, I shot a elopement in Alaska last year. Yeah. Um, yeah. That was a good friend from San Francisco that I met in college, you know, that got married out there. So yeah, it's all about the connections for me. And it's, it's one thing to be in a beautiful place, but if you're in a beautiful place with people that you don't really vibe with or, you know, it's just, it's not going to be such a, it doesn't matter. Yeah. It's not going to be as, as great of an experience. Wow. Have you done anything in Europe yet? No, I haven't shot like a wedding over there, but you know, Sky and I went over and did her pictures in Scotland and that was wow, fucking magical. Yeah. So yeah. So magical. Uh, yeah. The photos are insane and they're on your page. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Are they on the body session website too? Probably. I think yeah. they are. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, I need to even, update it. Like, yeah, dude, updating websites is hard. Uh, I can't keep up. It's so yeah. annoying. But yeah, I mean, I mean that session is, is wild, and that's kind of where I, that's kind of it won't come at the style here because mm-hmm. I think you're very environmental mm-hmm. when it comes to uh, just when you shoot outside. I love your use of just the areas around. Obviously, the subject is the person being beautiful in their skin, but obviously you bring in the environment around them to kind of aid in that. Mm-hmm. that one big beauty so i mean are, do you just like being out in the elements i mean is that something you're kind of energized by and when you're out in the world like that oh absolutely yeah, yeah i mean if i could spend all my time in nature i would i that's like, like that. my church you know so it's it's something that really calms me and and i think it's i mean it's grounding it's grounding to be outside so especially doing really vulnerable you know nude or partially nude photos I think it, it helps people feel calmer when we're in nature. I mean, obviously the studio in their home is, is beautiful too, but it is a different experience to do them outside. It's a little trickier sometimes with the element. I had this really romanticized version of nature in my head where I'm like, oh, I'm just like, you know, going to be a forest by the river and it's great. And then you're like, oh yeah, poison oak and, you know, mosquitoes <laughs> and the swamp and people, you know. So there's definitely, up, yeah. yeah, there's def- definitely that romanticized version of nature in my head that I often get reminded is a fantasy <laughs> brings it, but, you back to the ground yeah, but but for the most part i've gotten pretty good at being sneaky and and finding in the, the times of year that are best especially around here to shoot outside where the Dude. gnats aren't going to attack you as much and oh my god yeah, yeah i mean 110 percent. but um no i love it i mean even in your regular portraits uh when i see people it's like man you really love using the greens the trees mm-hmm. the sky whatever is is very great and i'm kind of driven by that too i love yeah. I love big, wide-open spaces and, and, and using that with, with, with my subjects. Um, so when it comes to – so I'm going to go back to L.A. because I'm, yep. I'm very I'm very intrigued by that. So how are people usually booking you out for when you go – because I'm with a kid. You gotta you want to be here with a kid and you, you know, kind of – when you go to L.A., you're there for three, two or three weeks. Two or three weeks usually, yeah. So people hit you up in the middle of the year. It's like, hey, I want to in L.A. Like, I won't be there till September. Like, how does that usually work? So – I think it's probably different for everyone, but the way that I have gone about it has been pretty organic because I realized really quickly LA is huge. There's 10 trillion true. amazing photographers, right? I mean, all over, the, all over the world, really. Um, and I had to keep, t- I have to keep always telling myself, like, I don't need to be the best photographer in the world or in LA or in Savannah. I just need like four people a year that want to hire me, you know? Yeah, <laughs> so, so that's kind of how I go about it. And, you know, I'll, I've booked. I want to say my first 
I think my first wedding in Southern California was a, a wedding in Malibu. And this couple, they're still one of my favorite couples. I still talk to them sometimes when I go back to LA. But they did a wedding in Malibu and they found me on Pinterest. They just found like a couple. Like, That's insane. Yeah. And they reached out and I was like, I think I've always had on my website like available for travel. But, you know, you always hope that people <laughs> do that. But they actually did. Yeah. And um, so from there, you know, I, I kind of built a rapport with them. And then, um, yeah, I think the first couple times I went out there, I did some free shoots. You know, I just found some people that I was inspired by and that or I knew personally. I have some friends that I went to school with out there. And so, yeah, I just did a few free shoots and then you advertise them and then people see them and the hashtags and, you know, yeah, it's just been very organic and just a lot of referrals. And then once you shoot at a venue somewhere, typically the venue will, you know, reshare the photos and then people, like I have another wedding in Los Alamos next summer and that couple who's amazing, they found me from the couple I did last year at Los Alamos in Los Alamos. So, yeah. And then when I, so I'll usually book a wedding. And then I book the trip around the wedding. Like I'll do a week or two on either side of the wedding. And then in that time, I'll book embodiment sessions and, you know, portrait, you know, family portraits, whatever kind of portraits people want. That makes sense because you will post typically when you're going to be in the area. Yeah. That makes sense. That makes a little bit. That's clicking now. Like, hey, I'm going to be in L.A. for these dates. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, honestly, it's, you know, it, every trip is different. Like the last, when I was there in January, I was honestly so burnt out coming out of a busy wedding season that I only did, I think like two or three shoots. I didn't go for a wedding. I just kind of went. And then this time I was working, I feel like every other day, you know? Oh, you were doing something. Yeah. I was super busy. Yeah. So. Wow. Oh my gosh. (laughs) That's insane. Um, so obviously now. You're not doing as many weddings. Correct. We're coming to present day. Yes. I can't. We can't discuss everything. There's not enough time in the day. <laughs> um, but you have other ventures. So can you kind of tell us what you're? Obviously, you're always gonna be a photographer of some sort. Yeah. Um, but do you still you see yourself going in a different direction as far as photos are involved? Because you're not doing as many. Um, I think it's just a matter of quality over quantity. I mean, I've kind of always, that's kind of always been my intention. Um, but obviously, you know, the more experience I have, the more I've been able to raise my prices. And so I just don't have to shoot as many, um, because honestly, you know, I'm again, a very introverted, highly sensitive person. So as much as I love shooting weddings, they can definitely, you know, the next two, three days are, I kind of have to hermit hard and recoup and. Um, so I'll, I'll probably always do like at least one or two a month. Um, and yep. you know, the more particular I am with like who I'm working with also really helps with that. Cause I might be exhausted, but my heart's so full that I like, don't even care. You know, like yeah. when it's, there's weddings where I leave and I'm like, I feel changed forever. Like just being yes. blessed by the love of these people and like their family. And you know, it's just, it's such a beautiful um, experience that it's, I don't know that I would ever not want to shoot weddings at least you know, for the next 10 years or so, but yeah. 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 Absolutely. I mean, just, I mean, if I could shoot embodiment sessions all the time, that would probably be like That's what, ideal. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Would you ever want to travel with it? Like embodiment sessions? Well, like, I kind you, of already do. You yeah, do. Yeah. yeah. I mean, can you remember like, photographers like Chewy or something like that? Where they have like, God, I mean, where goals. they do tour yeah, dates, like, Hey, amazing. Where you just like tour the country. I, yeah. I mean, I absolutely, especially cause you know, I'm, I'll be 35 in December. Yeah. My daughter is 14. Almost... So I'll be, yeah, she'll be, I'll be 38 when she graduates high school. That's sick. So I could, you know, I feel like I'll be an empty nester before a lot of people my age. So 
you know, who knows what's going to happen. Like when yeah. that chapter starts, I would definitely be open to traveling more for sure. Yes. I'm very curious to jump in the future of seeing you with Ophelia kind of being out doing her thing. You're like, okay, well my job's kind of done so I can really, I have a feeling she'll be kind of like her mother in the sense that I was like, hey, bye. <laughs> just went somewhere. She might do that, Yeah, though. which I'm, you know, I, I, I've told her, like, I'm happy to go with you somewhere if you want to live together or live near each other. And if you don't want that, I'm okay with that, too. You know, I, I again, having been someone who kind of got their individuation phase stunted a little bit, that's really important to me that she has that. And that she feels like she has someone to come home to. And I'm going to love her just as much if she needs to, like, go across the world. Like, that's fine. You just go with her? Yeah. Well, I would go with her if she wanted me to. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I'm not okay. going okay. to smother her. Like, I want her to be her own person. I want her to find herself. And, like, that might mean being away from mom for a while. And that's okay. Having a kid, that's a whole different episode. Though. Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We'll get into that later. I'm talking, yeah, it's cool because you haven't really even, like even pressure her to initially do anything creative have you like you, have you... no she's a very creative person yeah. she loves um ceramics and she's more of a 3d girl oh that's cool which is yeah i'm not <laughs> like yeah. i'm definitely 2d all the way um but she you know her stepmom like my co-parent Lindsay, is amazing and she's a visual artist she does graphic design and illustration oh, that's cool. and that. then her dad is a woodworker he does historic preservation but he does a lot of woodworking like custom woodworking stuff so she's been surrounded by artists her whole life if like wow. Lindsay went to SCAD too, you know, so um, she's always been super talented and super creative, good at drawing. Um, but she also has seen us hustle, you know, and I think, you know, the girl wants to make money is what she wants. Yeah. <laughs> she wants to make money. Yeah. So she's, you know, even with um, some of her other passions, she's just like, you know, I don't know if I have to do this forever. I just want to do, I want to make good money and like make, make art on the side. I'm like, listen, I get it. Cause I don't, to be honest, I don't pick up my camera a ton when I'm not being paid for it anymore because yeah. it's work, you know? So not that I'm not inspired by things, but I just don't always have the energy. So I get it. Yeah. I mean, a photographer, it's funny. A lot of people, cause people ask me all the time about, and I ask you this too. Do you ever get discouraged by saturation? Mm-hmm. Cause like everyone's like, Oh, everyone's talking about you ever, you know, worried about, my place in the world being a photographer so getting work i'm like no i don't really care that much to be honest with you what about you um i will say that it was a lot less saturated when i first moved here Dude, so there has yeah. been an adjustment of expectation and an adjustment especially you know moving forward i have never been more grateful to be like a wedding and portrait photographer versus like a commercial photographer yes. because of ai, AI that's like that big... is going to be a whole thing you know and i mean i'm sure there's always going to be some brands or some companies who really value the individual artist and like want to invest in that mm. but you know just your average like maybe middle of the road branding company or whatever you know they're just gonna be like type in like girl on beach with dog and then you have these beautiful pictures yeah. so and i get it like from their end it's more you know cost friendly and everything but yeah i mean it is it is a scary time but i'm hoping that with the development of ai god i mean can we just like can we hope and pray that the more ai becomes available the more it allows us to have time to rest and time to be creative and like i don't want to be a part of the machine and then also have a job that's taken over by the machine like i hope that we can actually it can actually leave us time to be more creative like that's the that's the goal but we'll see how that goes Dude, we'll see. They'll find some way to make us work harder for something. Uh, yeah. It's an American I mean, way. It's late stage capitalism, you know. It's I just, mean, it's exactly what yeah. it is. My goodness. Okay. We're nearing the end. So, man, so I guess the life, is there any type of 
life goal for you? Is there a place you want to have your own studio one day? You want to have photographers working for you one day? Like, what is your end goal? Mm. If there is one. I know you're also studying other things. Yeah, I'm studying other things right now, um, which we'll get into another. We'll get into another time. Yeah, I mean, I don't really have, you know, people have asked me or kind of um, encouraged me to do the whole like associate photographer thing and but honestly it all sounds kind of like a nightmare to me it sounds like a lot to manage and I want I just really want to live a very soulful simple life like I don't I love my job and I want to I like kind of being a one-man show and you know doing my thing so I, I don't really know I'm just kind of leaving it open I'm just trusting that all the connections that I've been making and will continue to make are going to lead me to something and that's pretty much where I'm at. I'm kind of in a liminal space with it. So I don't actually have any. I only have questions at this point. I don't really have any answers. I like that. I only have questions, not a lot of answers. Yeah, I don't know anything. But that's okay. It's very liberating. That's where we all need to be. We always have to mm-hmm. be questioning some shit. This is great. This yeah, is wonderful. Thanks for having me. Of course. Yeah, like I said, I can't ask you everything. But we have questions from Mackenzie. Just send a message. <laughs> Go look at the work. The work is insane. You've done a lot. Your portfolio is, is pretty massive. So. And you have a you have a lifetime to go. Yeah, hopefully <laughs> that's the goal. That's the goal. That's the but McKenzie um, will be on a different podcast later on. We'll dive into some other things. But for right now, this is it. So I hope you enjoyed the episode. This is great. I got things to do today. So does McKenzie. So we won't get out of here. And McKenzie is coming home very soon. So <laughs> um, thank you for listening, my friends. Thank this you. is great. Goodbye. We're circling back. Okay. <laughs> We're back to recording. My friends, I forgot about the icebreaker question. No, what is, what is the opposite of icebreaker question? Like a closing question, maybe? Closing question? I don't, I don't Ice know. Maker question? Ice-, <laughs> <laughs> Ice maker, yeah. Let's no. go with that. That's what you should call it from now on, every every the episode. Ice, icebreaker? Icebreaker, ice maker, yeah. So the ice maker, <laughs> the ice maker should be first. The breaker should be last. No, because icebreaker is what you do to start something. Okay. All right. We're making we'll, the ice we'll now. We'll come up with something. We are. All right. We got to ask this. I actually like this question a lot. It makes me think of someone very specific. So I want you to ask this question. Are all emotions beautiful? The answer is yes. Mm-hmm. And I'll say this. Shout out to my grandmother. Mm-hmm. She's inspired pretty much every single photo book I've done. Um... And me as a person. But I remember one time, this one I really started getting in touch with my emotions, which is, you know, typically men are very hard with doing that. But I was, I think I was in high school. When I came home, I was very angry. And she used to watch me after school sometimes because that's what grandparents do usually. And um, I, just, I don't, I feel this. I, something stupid happened. Something that wasn't important happened. And I told my grandma about it, my, my day, and, you know, why I was upset. And she looked at me and she was like, you know what? Lisa should feel something. Yeah. You know? And that really like stopped me. I was like, "Oh my god, mm-hmm. that's so true," you know, because some people just don't feel anything. Yeah. So I think every emotion is beautiful. I think so. You know, too. I think some of it's very tragic and not so fun to deal with in the moment, <laughs> but I think you learn something from each emotion, you know. So yeah, the short answer is yes. The long answer is fuck yes. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think, Mackenzie? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think absolutely they're all beautiful. I think that we live in a dualistic reality in a lot of regards where it's like you you can't really know one totally without the other. Like if you love someone so deeply, it's going to hurt really bad when you lose them. If you find belonging and it feels so good, it's going to hurt really bad to even think of losing that. You know, so it's even anger like 
you know, it's, it's an initiator, you know, maybe you don't want to hold on to it forever, but it initiates something and that can become passion, you know? So just, I think that, um, as my therapist would always like to tell me, feelings aren't facts and feelings aren't final, but they are information, they're data. And so they have something, like you said, to teach us. Absolutely. It's all, it's all a lesson, but it's all, it's kind of, and we're diving into some, we're not going to dive into this. This is, this is right. But it's interesting how we can feel so many different things in this body. Mm-hmm. Depending on the day or the minute or the hour, it can just change, and just all is all within us. This is pretty crazy to think about. Yeah, you know. Well, and like you were saying, if you're not feeling something, typically in the phases of my life where I haven't been feeling anything, I've been super dissociative. And when you when you become safe and you become stable and you really like find yourself and you become embodied i think that that's when you start to process everything so you might not always be feeling great but that doesn't it's like feeling is healing you know you got to be safe to feel it i like that yeah see i'm with it okay that was it that That was was it that was a patreon episode (laughs) subscribe to our patreon ten dollars a month and we'll just talk about some random shit just for you (laughs) (laughs) all right we're out of here the free pizza podcast we are on spotify itunes soundcloud just go on the google app store go on everywhere check us out on instagram facebook myspace live journal twitter we tweet we'll do smoke sniggles whatever y'all need thank y'all so much have a good night